I mean, in terms of growth, it's great to find one area that you want to improve or change and then get a little bit better at it. But your main focus, your confidence is based on what you're good at and the success that you're having. And so rather than say, I'm not a good coach to my team, I would say, my strengths are better served here and I'm going to hire somebody to coach my team. We just need to know who we are and we need to decide either I'm going to develop this skill or I'm going to hire it out. I think that it gives you way more energy when you focus on your strengths. So the big question is this, how do small business owners like us grow our business, grow our leadership and develop our teams in a way that allows us to get our products and services out of the world yet still remain profitable? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Bradley Hamner, and this is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Hey, before we get into today's episode, did you know that Club Capital is the largest accounting and advisory firm for insurance agency owners in the country, providing monthly accounting, CFO services, and tax preparation? Check them out at club.capital. Welcome to another episode of the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. My name is Bradley Hamner, your host. I love this podcast. We have a really special guest, Dr. Julie Bell. She is the founder and president of Mind of a Champion. If you're like me, sports has been a big part of my life, and I know for many of you, it has been a big part of your life. If you've never heard Dr. Bell, you're going to be in for a real treat. There are six things that really stood out to me in this podcast with Dr. Bell. Number one, where's your confidence coming from? Is it coming from the outcome or is it coming from the process? Number two, the importance of developing a winning game plan. Number three, the differences and the similarities between sports and business. Number four, working on your strengths versus working on your weaknesses. Number five, the dangers, but also the positives of comparing yourself to others. And then lastly, how to train confidence, not only in yourself, but to train confidence in your team and not doubt. It's a great episode. We could have gone for two hours. It ended up feeling like a paid consulting session because we got into some things and you'll hear a little bit at the very beginning about she gives me a really valuable putting tip. So for all you golfers out there, you're definitely going to want to listen. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Julie Bell. Wouldn't it be a great start to 2021 by having more leads in your book of business? Well, that's where our partners at Direct Clicks Inc. come in. Their team's dialed-in approach to running Google ads and online SEO campaigns maximize the quality and the volume of your leads, whether that's for inbound phone calls or even exclusive leads through your website. Direct Clicks Inc. works only with PNC insurance agency owners, so they have thousands of hours creating, A-B split testing, and improving online campaigns specifically for insurance. They also understand why each and every marketing dollar matters in providing true results, low paper clicks, transparency, and attention to detail, all of which is discussed in depth during your monthly review calls. Reach out to the Direct Clicks team at directclicksinc.com. That's directclicksinc.com and find out how they can make a difference in your approach to generating new business. Are you an agency owner looking to grow your revenue and increase your bottom line? Club Capital is here to help. Built for agents by agents, so we know your struggles. With accounting, payroll, and HR solutions, tax services, analytics, and more, 
Let's get you on the path to serious success. Using data-driven insights, you'll grow your business based on revenue and expense comparisons alongside your top performing peers. With over $100 million in tracked annual revenue and $70 million in tracked annual expenses, we have the data to help you make better informed decisions for your agency. Let's make your back office less of a hassle and more of the strategic generator that powers the growth to take your agency and your leadership to the next level. Visit club.capital today to book your complimentary, no obligation demo. Club Capital, way more than a CPA firm. Dr. Julie Bell, welcome to the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Thank you so much. Excited to have you. So we always start with background and origin story. I know for a lot of our listening audience, they are familiar with you. But for those that are not, why don't you give them a little bit of your background? Sure. So I am the founder and president of The Mind of a Champion. We are a coaching firm in Dallas, Texas. My education is actually sports psychology. So I went to graduate school to study if you practice better than you compete, then it's not the physical part of the game. It's the mental part of the game. And so I studied how to help people perform their best when it matters most. Really thought I'd work with athletes my whole life, but in my really early marketing at country clubs to tennis players and golfers, I had a bunch of business people sitting in front of me. And so dual tracked from the very beginning to be able to, you know, greatness is greatness, whether you're performing in the corporate arena or the sports arena. And so the principles stay the same, just the language around it changes a little bit. So that's how I've done just the performance intelligence or the mind of a champion in all areas of life. Well, to our listening audience, if this turns into a golf putting lesson with Dr. Julie Bell and myself today, then please forgive me. This one may be, I know that I saw in preparation for our interview today that you had trained under Dr. Bob Rotella. I have listened to all of his books too many times, read his books many times to help me with my putting was I played golf in college. And so I'm a big golfer yeah. myself. And so I yeah, absolutely we, would help your putting because I can teach you one lesson that would apply to everybody because it's not just on cutting. It applies to life insurance. I mean, it applies to everything that actually is a game changer. Well, let's get into that. Let's just start the podcast with this bombshell. I am taking notes. Let's go. Perfect. Okay. So you're standing over a three inch putt. What's your confidence from 0% to 100%? Oh, 100%. Okay. Three foot putt. I would say I'm a pretty good short putter. I'd say 90%. Okay. Uh, 30 foot putt. Oh, 5%. Okay. So is it fair to say that your confidence is in whether or not you're going to make it? Yes, that's correct. Okay. So the biggest mistake people make in confidence is placing their confidence in an outcome rather than their ability to create the outcome. So here's your golf quiz. Three things to be able to sink a putt. What are they? Oh my goodness. Number one, you've got to have alignment. Alignment. You have to find your line. Yep. You've got to be able to get your speed right. Speed. And then you've got to be able to read the green correctly. Yeah. So you have to read the green, you have to roll it on your line, and you have to be able to have the right speed, right? Yep. Out yep. of those three, you actually get the best feedback from rolling it on your line. Because if you have words on your ball or if you have a line on your ball, if it rolls end over end, you hit it on your line. Even on a curved line, it'll roll end over end. But if it doesn't roll end over end, you didn't hit your line. So what I have my clients do is when you step over a putt, three inches, 13 feet or 30 feet, 
whenever you step over a putt, you have to be 100% confident that you can roll the ball on the line. Mm. And you can practice that anywhere you are. You can just practice rolling the ball on your line. Because what happens is if you're 100% confident, you'll do what you're trying to do. So you take it back, you go through, and you roll it on your line and you don't make it. What did you just learn? Mm, yeah. Wrong well, line. you may have wrong line, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I actually use a line on my putter, excuse me, on my ball. Yeah. I, mean, I actually yeah. do put a, a line on my balls. Well, so if you're 100% confident, you're taking it straight back, straight forward, and you're not hitting it on your line, you've got some work to do with your stroke, right? Yeah. If yeah. you hit your line and it doesn't go in, you need to practice reading the green. Do you know that there's a lot of golfers who don't practice reading green? They just keep rolling ball after ball after ball, but they never practice reading green. And that's really yes. what they need to practice. And then speed, you get great feedback on speed. So you could take a putt, you rolled it on your line. It didn't go in. You could still be a hundred percent confident in your next putt. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. And so you get better practice, you get great feedback. And here's what happens with that 90% confidence, right? So three feet, pretty good short putter, I'm 90% confident. 90% confidence is 10% doubt and doubt always changes your skill. Mm. So you take it back and you're going through and this little part of your brain goes, well, maybe you push it, you pull it, you have no idea what you did. So you have zero feedback if you missed it. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah, it really does. And actually to comment on that for a second, I can think back specifically in some collegiate tournaments and even some amateur tournaments I play now is that I'll begin to have that doubt and I start every putt. I try something new. I'm trying to find something right. And right. the finding something is whether or not the ball went in the hole, not whether or not I actually executed. So that's really helpful. 100%. It's amazing how this can change your putting. So I do think 100% is the right number. Anything less than 100% equals doubt and doubt changes what you do. And so let's just shift this over to sales, right? Yeah. So can yeah. you be 100% confident you're going to close the sale? Nope. You don't no. control all of the circumstances, right? You're not sure. making the decision. Can you be 100% confident in your ability to ask good questions and your ability to follow your process and your ability to follow up? Yeah, I can be 100% confident. And here's the deal in sales. If you're getting more yeses than nos, you're not asking enough people. Mm. So in sales, we're supposed to have no's. And if our confidence is, I got a yes, my confidence goes up. I got a no, my confidence goes down. I got a sure. yes. Then we're on this roller coaster of confidence and too much of that roller coaster. And you can't sell anything because you're just beaten down. But if my confidence stays level and my ability to make the phone call, set the appointment, follow up, ask good questions, if my confidence is there, then when I need to work on my seven seconds of silence, because I'm jumping in and rescuing people, right? When I need to work on that, I can literally practice being quiet for seven seconds until I'm a hundred percent confident. I can keep my mouth shut. Mm, mm. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And so let's go one level up then into sure. the business ownership level to talk about whenever they're the confidence and then the doubt maybe in the overarching strategy that mm -hmm. they may have to where they say, okay, this is what we're going to do for this quarter. The next 13 weeks is what we're going to do. Four weeks into it, it's not working. And then they abandon it, right? They just begin to switch things. 
Yeah, absolutely. So in our terms at the Mind of a Champion, we would call it a winning game plan. And so Joe Gibbs, the end, he was Washington Redskins, Joe Gibbs Racing. He would say that a confidently created plan is consistently executed. And so what happens when a business owner starts doubting their plan? Then that doubt grows exponentially with their team members. So it's like, hey, you guys, why don't you try to make 30 calls today? Well, try just gave them a back door because they're not believing in their plan. And so I like to parallel it to sports. Every great coach that I've ever worked with comes into the season with a winning game plan, right? So this is how we're going to work our team based on our talent and what's going on in the competitive environment. Well, when you execute your plan and you don't get the results that you want, you have permission to tweak your plan. And so based on the health of your team, the competition, a great coach can tweak their plan week after week, but that's only when they're executing their plan. So I'm a business owner. I kind of sort of think that this is the right plan. So I kind of sort of execute. And then I just go with the flavor of the day. There's no confidence in my plan. So there's no consistent execution of that plan. I heard recently on a podcast, I think it was actually with John Lee Dumas. He has an acronym for FOCUS, which is follow one course until success. And it just reminded me of what you just mentioned. I love about that. Cons- Isn't that good? Yeah. That's follow great. one course until success. Just up talking about the consistency, right? And the commitment to one thing and being consistent with that over a long period of time. Okay. So I was really excited about this question and that ultimately may end up having, and thank you for the putting. I'm actually playing a tournament in a couple of weeks. I'm going to give you credit. All right. You have, to, you have to trip. let me know how it goes. <laughs> I will. No, I will for sure. Okay. So sports, is such an incredible metaphor for life and business. It really is. I mean, sports has been a huge part of my life. Sports is still a big part of our life with our kids. That said, I would love for you to draw a contrast between some of the differences between sports and business, because sometimes the parallels don't always apply. And then also some of the similarities that you see between sports in business. So that's my first question. And then I'm going to dig into some other things about that because a lot of people that listen to podcasts in general, they want to get better. And a lot of people have athletic backgrounds, have sports backgrounds. And so I've got some additional questions on that, but I'd love for you to start there. Okay. So let's start with some differences. Some of the things that I notice in sports is really in leadership. So coaches in sports are really good at coaching on the plays rather than the scoreboard. So I don't know any coaches. I'm the sports psychologist for the SMU football team. And it would be highly unlikely for Coach Dykes to call a timeout, to pull the boys together, and then to say, look at the scoreboard. We have two minutes here, 20 seconds here. Look at the scoreboard. Everybody look at it. Let's look at those numbers. Like We just don't do that in sports. So we look at the numbers to call a timeout to talk about how to play the game. Mm -hmm. So here's what I see in business, business owners, look at the numbers. And then they put the numbers in front of the team. These aren't the numbers that we talked about. We're not hitting our numbers. And we really spend most of the time talking about numbers rather than going, oh, here's our numbers. Let's call a timeout. Hey guys, where are we getting distracted? What's our best window for making calls? We really need to talk about the plays, not the scoreboard. So Mm -hmm. that would be 
the biggest difference between sports. Oh, here's a second difference between sports and business. In sports, we're phenomenal at voluntary accountability. So I'm an Mm -hmm. athlete and I want to get better. And when I'm not at the top of my game, I go, hey, coach, come here. I ask for coaching. And I think the opposite is true in business. So in business, I'm not performing my best and then I just hide. <laughs> I hope nobody notices. I don't want anybody, you know, avoid phone calls instead of going, wow, this is not working. Will you coach me on this? We just go into this little hole. We retreat and we stop answering the any kind of accountability phone call. We stop answering it. So I think that's another place where sports and business haven't quite aligned. Boy, you're cutting me deep right here with this. I mean, I know this for sure. That's so true. I know that we could talk for hours about all the parallels between sports and business, but what are a few that really stand out where you say, hey, this really applies? I mean, I see this in sports and I see this in business. Yeah, there's just so many. That's really what I've based my whole career on. But anything just from the language, we call timeouts in sports and in business. And we say, take our game to the next level and get in the game. And just all of those things that we talk about, the language is shared. But confidence is confidence, whether you're shooting a free throw or making a sales presentation or leading your team. Uh, That stays the same. Focus is the same for sports and business. We have to focus on what to do rather than what not to do. So you want to focus on do this rather than don't do that. That's a principle that goes both ways. In sports and in business, we have to have a winning game plan, not just a whole bunch of activities, but really a confidently created plan that's consistently executed. I also think that the competitiveness is the same in business and in sports. So great athletes are less interested in beating the person next to them and more interested in being their absolute best. And I think that's true in business too. The people are really excelling in business. They don't just want to beat the person down the street. They really want to be their best. And so they're striving for that. And I see that both in business and sports all the time. So the next question around that that I wanted to ask is this idea of working on your strengths versus working on your weaknesses. Okay, so Strengths Finders 2.0 book, Dan Sullivan's Unique Ability, right? There's these ideas of like, figure out what your strengths are and double and triple down on those and just kind of disabandon your weaknesses. When in sports, you know, we're in the middle of the NBA playoffs right now, kind of deep in the playoffs. And so there's some athletes that did not have a turnaround jump shot or whatever, didn't, were not a really good free throw shooter. And they talk about how much that they have worked on that part of their game or whatever. And they've improved that weakness, so to speak. What are your thoughts around in business working on doubling down in your strengths, as some people have said, versus working on your weaknesses? How do you reconcile that? So I think that we don't do a good enough job of knowing what our strengths are and play into our strengths. I mean, I really think that in business, we don't do that well. I mean, we really have this microscope on our weaknesses and we focus on it. And I don't think that's a recipe for success. I love the concept of finding out what you're great at and just do it. If you can hire somebody for your weaknesses, great. I think on our weaknesses, we need to just, I mean, in terms of growth, it's great to find one area that you want to improve or change and then get a little bit better at it. But your main focus, your confidence is based on what you're good at and the success that you're having. And so rather than say, I'm not a good coach to my team, I would say, 
my strengths are better served here and I'm going to hire somebody to coach my team. We just need to know who we are and we need to decide either I'm going to develop this skill or I'm going to hire it out. I think that it gives you way more energy when you focus on your strengths. You work with business owners for a really long time, in particular insurance agency owners. I think you shared the other day when we were chatting for something close to 23 years. And so you have really worked and seen a lot. You've seen people at the top of their game and seen people who have been able to be in a slump, so to speak, to use a sports analogy and turn it around. And you mentioned the other day about working with someone and then maybe two weeks later, they're almost unrecognizable. And I wanted you to talk about that, but I also want you to share a little bit more too about how it's important for that person. Because if that person has really made the change outwardly to their team, the team may say, well, he or she, yep, they're making this change and they're different right now, but how long is that actually going to last before they revert back to these old habits? Okay. So I think you could be unrecognizable and petty. I don't know what you started with, but I do think that there's times that we can make a simple change in our thinking and it's powerful enough that it changes everything. Well, one example that comes to mind for me is actually two. So the first example was a friend of mine. She had little kids and she said, my husband keeps getting so mad. I forget to lock the door when we're home and we're playing. And she goes, I just don't lock the door. We live in a safe neighborhood. And I go, oh, I don't lock the bad people out. I lock my kids in. And at that moment, she was able to do it consistently. Like she goes, oh, now I get it, right? So it's just a shift in your mindset changes everything. One of the things I can remember in terms of eating is the concept of best bites first. And so if you save your best bite for the end, like the middle of the cinnamon roll is clearly the best bite. And if you wait till the end, you have to eat your entire cinnamon roll to get to the best bite. But if you eat your best bite first, then the law of diminishing returns is that you will most likely not finish the whole cinnamon roll. It works on burritos because the best bite really is the middle. It works on a lot of things. So that's a concept that you hear it and you're like, oh, I'm totally doing that. You know, writing it down even. So I think that there are things that you can, you just change your mindset. Like it just resonates so well that you can make a simple change. Now, there's other things that we do. We have to create habits. Researcher says 21 to 28 times, but new research says it takes almost 60 experiences to create a habit because of our multitasking culture. And so on those, when you start seeing results, you want to keep doing it, but then those old habits come back. And so that concept of the voluntary accountability that we use in sports, like, Hey, you know, I've been doing well. I'm not motivated to do it right now. Like reaching out for coaching can keep you going in the right direction. Otherwise you, the forgetting curve. So something makes an impact and then you don't hear it repeated. You don't hear it repeated. You don't hear it repeated. And you've got about 10 days before your old habits come back. I like that forgetting curve. I've never heard that. And I really like the idea of Best Bites. I did write that down, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. That's really is a good one. You eat that way and you're like, huh, that is so weird. I've cut my calorie intake by 40%. I want to paint a picture of two different business owners. And then I'd like for you to kind of almost, in a way, talk about how you and your team would work through this with someone. So let's say business owner has owned their business for maybe 10 years or so, and they're just not getting the results that they want. Okay. They feel like that they have a good team, but they're underperforming. 
they're simply underperforming relative to what they have done in the past. So they have won a championship before, but they're just not doing that now. And they've been doing this now. It's been this way for a couple of years. What would you say to that person? Then we're going to draw a parallel to somebody completely different and how you would approach that person. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that I would want to start with is just tell me your story. So I think that facts are important. I can look at the years that you were fantastic. And then when you started hitting a slump, but if I can ask you to tell me your story, the way you tell your story is really Hmm. important. So just what's important to you. So in hearing your story, I would want to really dig deep on when you were doing great. Like, wow, tell me about the team. What about you and your leadership at that time? What were you doing? And through telling the story, what we're going to find out is that there are some changes in leadership, like in just in your behavior and find out what your desired results are. So maybe you were in the beginning and you're doing everything. And now that you've had some success, you want to play golf a little more often. And Mm -hmm. I am not going to strong arm you to get off the golf course. I'm going to say, okay, then how many hours are you in your office and leading? And when you are there, can you be a hundred percent when you're there? Because I bet when you're there, because you really want to be on the golf course, you're just not a hundred percent for those two hours a day that you are there. If I can get a hundred percent out of you for those two hours a day, that's going to make an incredible difference in your outcome. So hearing the story, finding out what the desired results are, and then creating a winning game plan to execute that. It could be designating a leader when you're not there. I've worked with some organizations that will have like more than one business. And so when you're in one and you go to the other, that's a skill of transitioning leadership. And so we've got to have a plan for all of that. All right. So the only other spectrum, we have a business owner That is, you know, they're crushing it. And you and I talked about this before, but I guess almost this being bored with excellence. And I painted this picture. It's like, yeah, I mean, there's this one person in particular that I know that he'll probably listen to this podcast. (laughs) And I've talked to him specifically about the concern about becoming an arsonist. You you get kind of bored with it. It's like, you know what? I just need something exciting. So I'm going to go and create some change and just create some fire so I can go and put them out. So talk about that person and specifically how you've helped some of those business owners that just honestly sometimes get bored. Yeah, I think it happens. You know, living in your sweet spot is really more challenging than it sounds because Mm -hmm. you're just waiting for the next crisis or the next hurdle that you have to do. And so for some people, actually, I'm working with a surgeon right now, top of his game, but a little bit on the board side. And so we're working on what is that your whole career has been growth oriented and challenging. So what is the challenge now? And I don't care if it's training for a marathon or if it is seeing if you can do what you do in less time. So whether that means working fewer hours, but keeping your numbers the same, whether it means bringing somebody, mentoring somebody up underneath you, whether it means hitting 12 month results in nine months, and then seeing what happens the next three, like creating some kind of activities or fun the next three months, we would have to find some kind of a challenge. And it can be learning to skydive, like really anything, but the pursuit of excellence for somebody who has been striving and conquering, it has to be in your life at some point. Or, I mean, either in your personal life or your professional life, you are going to go, like you said, look for a fire or create a fire. 
Yeah, I almost kind of hear what you're saying there. It's like, I'm just going to create a new game for you to be able to play. Yeah. yeah. Because you, the game that you're doing is so good and so easy. Let's find something else. Do you want to start volunteering? Do you want to... There are just so many different options on what you could be doing, but we do have to find some kind of challenge. Do you want to create a course to teach people how to be as amazing as you are? Do you want to write a book? It doesn't have to sell. Like, what do you want yeah. to do? Find some kind of challenge in there. What are your thoughts around social media can be great and it also can be really detrimental and specifically around business around this comparison trap. And so often I think, you know, a lot of insurance agency owners will kind of begin to look at somebody else's production numbers across the country. You live in a small town and you're trying to compare yourself to somebody that's in Seattle or whatever the case may be. Where is that actually healthy to look at where somebody else is doing to try to pull you forward versus it's incredibly unhealthy to try to compare your business to someone else in a different town or even across the street for that matter. Can you just talk about that? Absolutely. So comparison is an enemy of your best because you're going to be better than some and worse than others in any area of life at all times of life. And so when you really have that comparison mindset, you're setting yourself up for defeat. So what we want to do is we want to compare ourselves to our best. Like, right, here's where I am now, but I have this game in me. And so rather than you wanting to be the guys that you play golf with, just in terms of what you're training and practicing for, it's what your seven iron could be a little bit better, right? So your seven iron compared to your best, what you can do with it in the amount of practice that you have available to you right now. Like you can't even compare yourself to your college days because you're not practicing and training the same way. And I find that a trap for people. Absolutely. So when the economy was in a different place and all you needed was your name on the door, like you can't compare that season to where you are right now. So just you at your best. Here's where I think comparison is good to give you an idea of what's possible. And of course, we all know the Roger Bannister Miles story. I think that's an excellent example. What a lot of people don't know is that he was in medical school and he worked an entire day of doing rounds. He ran in the evening. I think it was six o'clock in the evening. And when you think about anybody who does a personal best, it's definitely not after a full day of work. And so we know that he had pacers and he set them up and challenged them. And then once he broke that, the number of people who were able to break that record within the next six months is astonishing. I don't have the data right off the top of my head, but it's incredible how nobody could do it until he did. And then once he did it, it opened the door for everybody else. And so I think a little bit that Tiger Woods did that in golf. He showed people what a new game really could be. I saw a newspaper article just on tournament PGA golf, and it was like, is 20 under the new normal? Who would have thought that a tournament, you know, the new normal pretty much is 20 under. So he opened the door for what people could do. And we see it in business all the time. Like, here's what I thought was possible. And somebody who didn't know any better just blew it out of the water because they were too dumb to know that it wasn't possible. Two comments on that. Phil Mickelson just showed people what's possible winning a major at age 50 to that exact point to use a golf analogy, right? hundred percent. Yeah. We used to think that 50 was old. I mean, not even close to being old. (laughs) 
not at all. I just turned 40. So yeah, no, I used to think 40 was old. It's not old at all. I just heard this a few months ago and it, boy, it really resonated with me around this thing of what's possible in this comparison game. I wish I would have learned this a long time ago. And it was sometimes you can't necessarily do what people do. I'll give you an example. It's real popular. People want to share morning routines. Like I could ask you, oh, Dr. Bell, what's your morning routine? Please tell me, you know, the exact cup of coffee you use. And, and that's all great. Like I can geek out on some of those things. But at different phases in life and different places where you are in life, it's not possible. It's not possible for me to meditate for two hours in the morning. I mean, I got young kids, so it's it's not able to do that. But you can learn how people think. You can say like, well, I can't really do that. We can't do what they're doing. He or she is doing. But I can certainly think how they think. 100%. So it's not possible for everyone to do family dinners every night, no matter how yeah. important you think it is, like you got kids yeah. in sports. But what if you just changed your mindset to family meals? Breakfast gets to count. So breakfast twice a week, dinner three times a week, throw in a lunch on the weekend. And how many family meals did you have? Versus, yeah. ugh, I mean, we're setting our kids up for a terrible future because we only eat dinner together twice a week. You change your mindset and you can change how you interact with your kids and your family because instead of being like frustrated and given up, you're like, oh yeah, we have meals together all the time. That's good. I like that. You've given some really simple things in my putting game, my eating habits, and now something I'm going to share with my wife after this. I think that's okay. Really so you want a really good parenting tip? Here's something Please. that we're really good at sports and we don't quite do it in life. We are great at practicing in sports. Like you have to practice. Do we practice in business? Not very often. If we would stop calling role play, role play and start calling it practice, we would get better at it. But here's where we really don't practice with kids. I mean, other than calling your first child, your practice kid. But what we really don't do is really practice. I was at a parenting workshop and they talked about this idea of practice, like Saturday morning, 6am, you get the kids up and you practice walking to the car as a pleasant member of the family. And Mm -hmm. so you practice and when they they hit each other, then you go back, jump in bed. Okay, here we're going to practice again. Get up, get dressed, walk downstairs. You know, it'll take two or three times before everybody gets it. Now, the next week when they're walking to the car and they are not a pleasant member of the family, you say, hey, do we need to practice again this weekend? No, sir. (laughs) That's good. That's really good. It is gold. Isn't that fantastic? (laughs) That's really good. That's really good, man. We needed that a couple of days ago with my son, Cooper. Oh, my goodness oh, you're, gracious. You're at the lake and you've got to walk up the hill to the house. And you're like, hey, kids, we're going to walk up the hill with a great attitude. And just so you know, if we need to practice, this is start. <laughs> oh, man. Is this a paid consultation? I don't know. Is this a paid session? Uh, I can't believe we're turning this into a podcast. No, that's awesome. Practice can change your life. And in business, I will say this. If you're practicing in business, you don't have to practice from the beginning to the end. So you don't have to practice. Hi, Mr. Smith. I am Julie Bell. You can just practice the transition from the introduction to the questions, because that's really the only part you need to practice. You don't have to practice the entire thing just to get that one part right. Just practice the transition. 
This actually a really great segue into something that you, again, mentioned the other day that has really stuck with me. And you commented that we tend to train doubt and not confidence into our teams. A lot of our conversation today has been around, especially in the beginning, around confidence of the leader. But you mentioned about we train doubt into our teams. Touch on that. Yes. So confidence is based on success. Every time you have success, you give yourself a reason to be confident. And every time you have failure, you give yourself a reason to doubt. And so we can have team members who are getting better and better and better. They're not hitting their Normally they ask for two referrals a day. They're asking for four referrals a day. We want them to ask for 10. And so we're like, wow, you asked for four referrals today. If we could just get you to 10, you'd be amazing. And so it's like, we started to give this confidence. You're twice as good as you were yesterday, but then we take it away with the, if we could only. So what if we said, you doubled your asking for referrals today. What did you do differently? And your team member says, oh, I wrote myself a sticky note. And you're like, sticky note works, write two tomorrow. Then they're more confident. They get six the next day. And we're moving our average is basically what we're doing in that. So as great leaders, we need to help people recognize success. We know what we've done wrong. We need to help people recognize success to grow confidence. And then when you do talk about a mistake, we need to identify it one time and then really focus on what the correction is. You know, when Julie Bell was in making a payment, you didn't update her contact information. You know, it'd be really good if you would just wouldn't forget that. Two weeks ago, when Mrs. Smith came in, you forgot to update then too. And so do you see how we're training Dell? Mm-hmm. Rather than, hey, when Julie Bell came in, you forgot to update her contact information. What can we do to help you remember that. And we're going to mm. brainstorm ways to remember it rather than just remind how we're forgetting to do it. I want to take that and very tactically, let's just say, let me use a round number of a hundred quotes. Like let's say that you're in the insurance and you have a new team member and they're past basic training and they're in the process and you say, okay, you've got to do a hundred quotes in a month. And just using averages, let's say that their closing ratio is 20%. Okay. Okay. Just to give an idea. Well, from the business owner's perspective, you've been doing this for a long time. You know, the law of large numbers and you just think, oh, it's 20% average, right? And there's baseball analogies. Hey, if you bat 300, you're in the hall of fame and all these kind of things. But a lot of times for a brand new salesperson, if they don't come in with that level of confidence, they can say like, oh, okay, I understand logically what you're saying. But when they actually experience 80 people telling them no over the course of the month, it can begin to affect their confidence. So how can we as owners better position that logicalness of here's how many you've got to be able to provide? I don't care what company you represent, right? You're not going to have, you said it earlier, if you're getting a lot of yeses, you're actually not asking enough people. Right. So talk about how can we train that confidence in our teams in that scenario? Yeah. So I would say, okay, Bradley, you are going to make a hundred quotes this month. So let's work on a coaching plan for the month. So if we broke it up, it's 25 quotes per week to get to the hundred. And we are expecting when you're at your best, you'll be at a 20% close ratio. So each week, what I want to do, and in fact, let's do this on Thursday so that we can end a winner. So let's coach on Thursdays and let's look at quality and quantity. 
So quantity, are you getting your reps, right? Are you getting your numbers in there? Are you comfortable with the number of reps you're getting? And then let's look at quality. So if you're doing a 10% close ratio, I'm going to listen to some to help you bump that close ratio up. But we absolutely expect you to get more no's than yeses. And if you're getting more yeses than no's, you either need to be running this business or asking more people. So, I mean, I would just set it up for the beginning, but personally, if I had a new employee, I wouldn't give them a month goal. I think that's too much failure opportunity. And so I would want to, in that month, I would want to coach along the way. And we, a lot of times coach on quantity and we forget to coach on quality. And then I could say, you know, at the end of each week, I would say, what's your confidence that you can keep the same quantity and increase your quality, right? So 0% to 100%, I'd want to know. And then they're going to say, I'm 80% confident that I could improve my quality. And I go, well, that 20% now will change what you do. What do we need to do to get you to 100%? And your team member goes, well, I just need to close more. That's the cutting example, right? You're like, Oh, your quality is not on closing more. Your quality is on when you transition to the ask, I need you to be quiet and count to seven in your head so that they get uncomfortable enough to answer for you. Any kind of little tip like that. No, that's good. I even like the little comment that you made about let's end a winner. Let's end this week on a winner. I I like that. That, There's so many times that we do coaching on Friday afternoon, right? And you're like, oh, coach on Wednesdays or Thursdays so that we can finish strong last book that you read the bible but my less than quick answer is a long time ago i was given permission to only read a chapter of a book if that's what helps you you can put it down so i'm not a cover to cover kind of book person i read what i need and then i move on okay yeah awesome love that that's actually a really good tip what is the book that you would recommend the most to other business owners I mean, can I keep saying the Bible? I'm sorry about that. I don't want to be preaching or anything, but I'm telling you, there are some great lessons in there and it's the most comprehensive book out there. Love that. What is a commonly held belief about leadership that's in the marketplace that you disagree with? I don't think that we have to wait until we're in trouble. I believe you need a coaching relationship before you actually need a coach. That's true. And boy, there's so many parallels with golf about that too, right? I mean, Tiger Woods, top of his game and Butch Harmon was there the whole time, right? Yeah, Yeah, totally agree with that. What is your favorite tech tool or app that you use on a regular basis other than your iPhone? Can't say your iPhone. Okay. So on my iPad, I use NoteShelf, which is a note-taking app. And the reason that I use it is I love taking notes to help me remember what we talked about. I'm great at taking notes and I was terrible at finding them. And so in a perfect world, I had a notebook for everybody, but the world isn't perfect. So your notes would be in somebody else's notebook. But with NoteShelf, they're all on your iPad. They're easy to find. I can have a hundred football players and 45 corporate clients. and I know where everybody's notebook is. Who's your favorite golfer and why? My favorite is always the person that I'm working with. I'll have to say any athlete. My favorite sport to watch is when I, people I know, and my favorite athlete is people I'm working with. So it just depends on the season. What is the biggest misconception about athletes that's in the marketplace? I think it has something to do with, they don't care what you think. Mm. Like they're people. 
you could put a room full of football players and a room full of business owners, and you're going to have the same emotions. You're going to have the same feelings. So I think a lot of people care and comments that people make are just simply unkind at times. It's like you're talking about a product rather than a person. Pay attention to that. When you're not working, when you're not working with athletes, when you're not working with business owners, what do you love to do in your spare time? I love to hang out with my family, for sure, 100%, and my dogs. I've been asking this question in recent interviews as we begin to transition really kind of out of COVID and out of the pandemic. What is one thing that you really learned about yourself the most during that time? Well, I don't know if I learned this or if it was just emphasized. I really like planning. And when you do live events, people plan quite a bit in advance. When you do virtual events, not so much. <laughs> it's like, can you do a keynote in two days? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Versus having it on the calendar for 18 months. <laughs> what is the best piece of leadership advice you've ever received? So I served on the board of deacons at our church and we were rotating off. And the person in front said, thank you for your leadership. And I was crushed because I didn't realize I was a leader for the time that I served. There's just the mm. thought never really crossed my mind. And so you know, I ran a company for a good 15 years before I really knew how to run a company. So you are a leader. That is the best leadership advice that I could give I love anybody. It. Julie, this has been fantastic. I've really enjoyed this conversation. It's been, been so nice to connect with you. I know people are going to want to reach out, speak with you, your team. What is the best way? Where would you like to point people to? So the best place to reach us is at themindofachampion.com. And you have to do the T-H-E in there, themindofachampion.com. And there's a free PDF on confidence, like five tips on confidence that people can download. You can hit the contact us. We'll get an email and we'll turn around and reach back out to people. That's awesome. We'll make sure that we put that in the email and in the show notes as well. Dr. Julie Bell, hope to have you on in the future. Awesome. This has been so much fun. Have a great life then. <laughs> Thank you. I love that conversation with Dr. Bell. Make sure that you go to the mind of a champion, look her up and reach out to her team and see how they can help you in your business. Other than just being a fantastic person, a lot of the things, I love just the language that she uses. I think that the analogies and the metaphors and the parallels between sports and business certainly resonates with me. And I know it resonates with many of you. And I mentioned this at the very beginning, but we talked a lot about confidence and it's so important to be able to protect your confidence and not only in yourself, but also in your team and just how she says, Hey, we often at the very end of that podcast, when she was talking about how we train doubt into our teams instead of confidence, that really resonated with me and how she was able to even give a couple examples about just changing and rephrasing the words and how it feels different. I thought was really important comparing yourself to others. Whenever I mentioned to her about thinking about how others and recognizing how others think, but she also gave some really good ideas around understanding what's possible versus trying to do exactly what someone else is doing. I thought the analogy with Roger Bannister resonated with me. We talked about strengths versus weaknesses and really beginning to at least recognize what your strengths are and being vulnerable enough to be able to say, these are the weaknesses that I have. 
she went through, I thought, a great parallel between sports and business there. And I'll leave you with this, just the importance of developing a winning game plan. And so I think that it didn't resonate with me until right after I did the podcast and I was kind of looking at my notes. But the difference in developing a game plan versus actually developing a winning game plan and that small nuance is really important. I could talk to her all day and I cannot wait to go and apply that learning with the putting to my golf game tomorrow. Hey, big thanks as always to our sponsors, Direct Clicks and Club Capital. Direct Clicks, hey, look, if you're wanting to grow your business, it's middle of the year. Are you where you need to be in your company? Are you actually getting, we talked about giving some analogies with your sales team to be able to make sure that they have enough of the leads in the business to be able to grow your company and hit the targets that you need to be able to hit. And if you're not getting what you need out of the company you're working with now, or you've not actually worked with someone in the future. I really do. I say it all the time, but they're just fantastic people. The founders of the company, the entire executive team at Direct Clicks, they really care about the results that they get for other people. So reach out to Direct Clicks. Go to directclicksinc.com, directclicksinc.com. Hey, what do you have to lose? Reach out to them. See how they can help you in your business to be able to meet the goals and the targets that you have set out for your company. You know, we just talked with Dr. Julie Bell about confidence. Well, one of the things to have confidence with is in cash and cash confidence. And that comes from, you know, you got to be able to have some data. You got to be able to have some numbers to know that you're making some really good decisions in your business. And if you don't have that kind of cash confidence, reach out to Club Capital. Go to club.capital. Book a no-obligation demo. Reach out to somebody on the team. They'll work with you on exactly how Club Capital can make a difference in your business and go from really something that's kind of a back office to maybe the strategic generator in your company. Club Capital has worked with and helped manage over $100 million in revenue, $70 million in tracked annual expenses. It's hard to find somebody else out there that's going to have that kind of perspective, especially if you're an insurance agency owner. So go to club.capital, book a no obligation demo. Hey, it's because of your loyalty to the podcast that we've been able to have some incredible guests like Dr. Julie Bell. Will you do something for me? Will you go to Apple iTunes? Will you leave us a five-star review? And will you share this podcast with a friend? I know that this can be a benefit. You're a business owner. You have connections. If this has resonated with you and this has been helpful to you, will you just share it with one other person? That helps us to be able to grow the podcast and to be able to reach more people and also just to continue to get some incredible guests like Dr. Julie Bell. So I'm grateful for your loyalty. I take your time very seriously and hope that these podcasts have benefit to you. Until next episode, lead well.